it is so to be able to be in the presence of God to be able to experience him directly I know in this life we see through a glass darkly but in this dispensation we have the clearest picture of who God is of anybody any any dispensation that's ever lived we have the fullest revelation of who he is we have access to the very throne room of God what a high honor what a great privilege he has given us praise God I am so thankful for him so thankful for all that he's done amen 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. We'll read that and then we'll drop down to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. Starting with chapter 2 and verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Chapter 4, verse 18. Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know, not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Amen. We'll speak for a few minutes this morning on this topic, the best witness. The best witness. Let's pray one more time and ask God to bless the remainder of his service that his will would be accomplished here today. Lord Jesus, we give ourselves wholly and completely unto the Lord our God today. This is your service. All things are yours and all things are in your hand. I pray that you would lead us and guide us according to your perfect will that all of your heart would be accomplished in this place this morning. Above all else, that your great name, your glorious name, would be magnified here and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amongst Christians, if you've lived for God... Uh, any amount of time, there is perhaps no more emotionally charged word than this one, outreach. When I first got into church, there was this thing called outreach. And it was where introverts like me would go out and knock on people's doors that I've never met before and try to, to tell them about what Jesus had done for me. An admirable goal, uh, something that people need to hear. But in my new convert heart, that scared me to death. There's a reason that I'm not a, a vacuum cleaner salesman. There's a reason that I failed in Amway. Okay? Uh, that's because uh, my personality just doesn't lend itself to that kind of activity. And so, when... People would get organized to go on Saturday morning outreach, uh, go out to the base, and, and uh, we'd, we'd, you know, talk to people, talk to soldiers on the street, and and blah blah blah. Go out on, on especially Saturday night was fun because they were all drunk, and uh, you get some of the most heartfelt confessions, and some of the, I am so sorry. I'm going to be in church. And we go and pick them up on Sunday morning, and they don't even remember who I am. <laughs> yeah. But 
in any case, so this, this word outreach is, uh, you know, a lot of mixed feelings. You know, door knocking, passing out tracts, uh, lifestyle evangelism. All of these, all of these terms, all of these, these ideas, uh, basically what we're trying to do is we're trying to get this good message into the hearts and lives of other people who have not yet heard this good message. But what's the biblical model for outreach? What was demonstrated to us in Scripture? Now, there's nothing wrong with door knocking. Okay, there's nothing wrong with passing out tracts. There's nothing wrong with <clears throat> walking up to someone on the street and asking them if they've had an experience with Jesus. Okay, nothing wrong with that. But the biblical model demonstrates something a little bit different. It demonstrates something a little bit deeper. Uh, if we look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, in Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 21, we see some interesting things. Now, maybe Jesus would have passed out tracts if he had them. I don't know. Uh, but he didn't. Okay? There weren't tracks back then. <clears throat> but this is what he did do. Starts off by saying this. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, come out of him. When the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. They were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. Okay, we see in Scripture uh, a lot of miracles. And there are some people, there are some even denominations in our world today that, that seek to minimize or even do away with miracles. Uh, that, was, that was the Old Testament. God had a purpose for that. That was the first century church. God had a purpose for that. But they're, they're done now. They're gone. Well, that's simply not true. Nowhere in Scripture do we say that they were done away with. Nowhere in Scripture do we say that these were for a specific time period, a specific people. <clears throat> and we'll get more into that in a moment. But all through Scripture we see evidences of, of the, the miracle power of the miracle working power of God, Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament we see uh, all kinds of miracles. We see the dead being raised. We see people healed. We see the sun stopping for, for a period of time. We see uh, angelic visitations. We see God delivering miraculously uh, by turning armies against themselves. Um, all kinds of miracles, and, and most of them are replicated in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Miracles of provision, uh, Old Testament and New. But there's one miracle Jesus did that was never done in the Old Testament. And that is commanding demons. That was unheard of up until this period of time. We don't see it recorded in the Old Testament at all. But now here in Mark chapter 1, Jesus just ups and tells the demon to leave, and they do. Against their will. We've never seen this before. This is something brand new. The method Jesus is demonstrating here, if I can break it down, is, is this that we see in Mark chapter 1. He went into the synagogue to teach. He taught with authority. He cast out an unclean spirit, and then his fame began to spread. I imagine it did. Let's continue. Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. 
Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. Okay, we see basically the same thing, except a few more details. Now we see he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's not only casting out devils, but he's healing all manner of sickness and disease. They're bringing people to him. And now great multitudes of people are following him. Okay, let's continue. Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 16. When Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of the fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. Okay, again, they were bringing people to him. And he was ministering to them. All of them. He cast out every devil, and he healed all that were sick. Okay, that's the ministry of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 10, he commissions the twelve. Starting with verse 1, Matthew chapter 10. When he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. It's interesting to me that the first thing Jesus does before he sends the disciples out, they haven't preached yet. They haven't, they haven't said one word. Before he sends them out to preach, he gives them power against unclean spirits and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. They can't cast out spirits. They can't heal anything. But Jesus, through them, can and does. Continuing on to verse 5. These twelve Jesus sends forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, Freely ye have received, freely give. Okay, it seems to me that we're starting to see a pattern here. Their preaching was to include healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, casting out devils. They were commanded to preach. And that's kind of what we like to focus on. But he also commanded them to heal the sick. To cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. Those were commands as well. As was preaching. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7. The Bible says he called unto them the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Moving to verse 12. And they went out and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Again, their preaching included casting out devils and healing the sick. You're going to find this morning that this will not be a very profound message today. It will not be real deep. I like deep, but that's not the message today. This one is very simple, very straightforward. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Again, before Jesus sends them out, he gives them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. His commission to them was twofold. Twofold. 
Preach the kingdom of God. Heal the sick. Moving down to verse 6. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Fulfilling the commission they'd been given. To preach and to heal. Amen. Later on we see Jesus commissions the 70. Luke chapter 10 and verse 1 says, After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. Dropping down to verse 9. Jesus tells them, And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Verse 17. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Okay, a couple things here. When Jesus commissions the 70, he tells them first to heal the sick and preach the gospel, preach the kingdom of God. Their testimony to Jesus is that even the devils were subject to them through his name. So they were given power and authority over devils and given power to heal sickness and disease and to preach the gospel of the kingdom of of God. Jesus explains, though, that the expected end of these miracles is to be salvation. The miracles aren't an end to themselves. They are a means to an end. In fact, I would submit to you from these scriptures that they are the means to an end. The salvation of the lost. It is the only method we see employed in the Gospels. In our scripture text today, we see the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthians. It was his desire that they wouldn't just be hearing words of man's wisdom, but that the Lord himself would confirm that word with signs following. That their faith would be in the power of God. In chapter 4, he's talking about teachers, arrogant teachers, teachers that are puffed up with pride. And he is going to determine whether or not they are of God or not. How is he going to make that determination? He's not going to analyze their words so much, he says, but the power. I will not know the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. What does he mean by that? I don't always take stuff from Matthew Henry. Sometimes I like what he has to say. This is one of those times. Referring to this verse, Matthew Henry's commentary says this. He lets them know what would follow upon his coming to them. I will know not the speech of those that are puffed up, but the power. He would bring the great pretenders among them to a trial, would know what they were, not by their rhetoric or philosophy, but by the authority and efficacy or uh, the the power, the the, uh, effectiveness of what they taught, whether they could confirm it by miraculous operations and whether it was accomplished with divine influences and saving effects on the minds of men. For, adds he, the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. It is not set up nor propagated nor established in the hearts of men by plausible reasonings nor florid discourses, but by the external power of the Holy Spirit in miraculous operations at first, and the powerful influence of divine truth on the minds and manners of men. So we see two things here. We see an external operation of the Spirit, miracles, signs, wonders. And then, from that, we see an internal operation of the Spirit, 
the changed hearts and lives of men. That is the process. That is the, the example that has been given to us in Scripture. Okay? That's what I see. That's what I see. And now the impetus of the message. Allow me to cut to the chase. From what I read in Scripture, God's prescribed method of evangelism is a miraculous combination of casting out devils, healing all manner of sickness and disease, and preaching the kingdom of God to the point that men come to repentance, that there is an internal spiritual change in the lives of, of mankind. <clears throat> We're not seeing that yet in our church. That means, first and foremost, that I am wrong. My ministry is not presently producing this kind of fruit. That's the first thing that means. I desperately want to see that in this church. I don't want to see miracles for the show. I don't want to see them to put it on the, the Christian radio station and people can come watch it. I want to see it because I believe with all of my heart that that is what God has given us to save the lost. At the end of all of it is the salvation of the lost. <clears throat> Someone told me here a little bit ago, I think it might have been Sister Rudy, but I'm not sure. There is someone in our movement, somewhere, can't remember his name, but he says that uh, he's not too concerned about soul winning or, or getting the message out when he comes into a town. He just asks, where are the sick people at? God heals a bunch of sick people. And that takes care of that. If I can dwell on that for just a moment. <clears throat> you know, I haven't taught as many Bible studies as, as a lot of people have. But I have taught some Bible studies. And the... The reactions to God's word are interesting to say the least. Most of the times it's very saddening uh, that, that people could hear this precious truth and do nothing with it. And that can be for many different reasons. I mean, I'm not, I'm not condemning anyone. I heard the word of God for 18 years and <laughs> I didn't hear it. I heard it, but I didn't hear it. <clears throat> they, they walk away for many different reasons, but what they probably won't walk away from is their amputated leg growing back in front of their eyes. A cancerous lump shrinking in front of their eyes where before they were bound to a wheelchair, now they're walking around. They can't ignore that. They can't walk away from that. They can, they can still choose to walk away, but they're going to have the evidence of it for the rest of their lives. And that's going to be a testimony against them from that point forward, that God intervenes in the affairs of men. I've got to believe that there is a reason Jesus didn't do something differently. I've got to believe that there's a reason when he commissioned the twelve 
And when he commissioned the 70, he didn't commission them with different instructions. I've got to believe that. When I come to Scripture with an open mind and not any preconceived ideas, this is what I understand. Could I be wrong? Absolutely, I could be wrong. But if I am wrong, then you need to show me from Scripture how I'm wrong. I think of Topeka, Kansas. A group of students, a teacher, right before the Azusa Street Revivals, got together because they read a scripture in the book of Acts. And they were wondering, is that for us today? Could I receive the Holy Ghost like they did? And they were like, well, I don't know. Let's pray and let's find out. And God miraculously filled them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it sparked our present movement today. This idea of of evangelism, of reaching the lost, of reaching our community by this method is not something I really hear. It's certainly something I've never really seen demonstrated. There are a few people in our movement that are known, you know, Brother Lee Stone King, Brother T.W. Barnes, uh, a few others that are really known for a a miracle ministry. And we we celebrate them and we're in awe of them. Uh, They would hate the fact that they are, I imagine, but they are nonetheless. We hear their names spoken of reverently, and, and people will come for, for miles to hear them preach because they need something from God. Folks, you and I have the same Holy Ghost as Brother Lee Stone King. We have the same Holy Ghost as T.W. Barnes, as G.A. Mangan, as, as anybody you want to name. And we have the same commission. Now, I understand there are gifts of healing, gifts of the Spirit. We'll be talking about those at a later, t- a later time. But in our evangelism, in our reaching out to the lost, in our preaching and teaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God, part of that commission involves healing the sick. It involves casting out demons. We have been convinced as a people that we just have to deal with things. That we just have to live with it. And that is so not the case. That is not the case at all. If we're encountering a situation in our lives, we don't have to deal with it. We don't have to just accept it as part of our lives now. We have authority over that circumstance. We have power over the situation. And we don't have to sit back and show our belly every time Satan rears his head. Every time a demon whispers in our ear, Oh, that's, that's it. I'm done. That is not God's will at all. Not for any of us. He has delegated to us His... Can you imagine Jesus reacting like that? When he was tempted in the wilderness. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I, I, I need to get something to eat. Can you imagine Jesus responding to the devil in that, that kind of way? Just giving in. Giving up. And he didn't resist because he was God. He resisted because he was full of the Holy Ghost. Because everything He did, we can do too. Through the Holy Ghost. It is His expectation, it was His expectation that when He died and was ascended to heaven, that we would continue His ministry. 
in a greater capacity than he did, with greater works than he did. This is a spiritual organism. It's a spiritual exercise. And so many times we try to, we try to conduct the business of the church using secular means. And again, I'm not opposed to programs. I'm not opposed to, to various methods. Let's use them. Let's try them. Let's, let's see what happens. But let's first try this. Let's first try the method that God prescribes in Scripture. I don't think those other ones are wrong. But I just want to do this first. This is our commission. I don't have that. In Mark chapter 16. Sorry, Sister Carol, I didn't put that one in. In Mark chapter 16, he commissions us. He commissions his people, the church. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So that after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. That was the commission. This is the fulfillment of it. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. That's how Jesus did it. That's how the apostles did it. My thinking is that's how we ought to do it. And I get it. (laughs) There's got to be at least one person saying, Physician, heal thyself. We don't see it coming from you. I've already said that. And that means there's a disconnect, right? There's a disconnect somewhere. And I don't think it's from Scripture. And I don't think it's my... I think my understanding is good. I think I've heard from the Lord. So the problem is me. The problem is here. And I've got to work on that. And as a church, it's God's desire to see that coming from every one of his people. We've got to work on that. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's up to us. God is going to use this body, fitly framed together. No one man or woman is going to do it. It's going to take all of us. All of us need to be on the same page. All of us need to be equipped and trained and ready to fulfill the commission God gave us. So as we stand, I want this to be a priority from, for us from this point forward. Like Topeka, Kansas, they made it a priority to seek the mind of Christ, whether this thing was so or not. I want us to do the same thing as a church. Let's seek the mind of Christ. Is what I'm saying actually the case? Does this comport with reality? Does this, does this line up with the book or no? Because if it doesn't, we want nothing to do with it. 
If it does, though, we want everything to do with it. We want to be right in the middle of it. That God would use each and every one of us to regularly identify and cast out devils. I promise you, demonic activity in the United States is way more prevalent than we think it is. It's way more common in people's lives than we think it is. To heal regularly all manner of sickness and disease. Jesus is the answer for that too. He took stripes on his back. He didn't do that for no reason at all. He purchased our healing with those stripes. And we'd rather go to an aspirin bottle than the blood of Jesus. Brother Jeff Arnold said one time, in his typical silky smooth manner, he said some people, they'll pray for healing, not receive it, and call that the will of God. And then he asks the question, if that is the will of God for you to have that sickness, why are you trying to get rid of it? If it's the will of God for you to be sick, why are you spending all kinds of money trying to get rid of that blessing? There are people that we know. There are people suffering from ailments that we don't know. They're not supposed to be. They shouldn't be. Now that the weight of that is firmly settled on us, Let me release it a little bit by saying this. When we do get there, when the Lord begins to use us in this capacity, think of what's going to happen in this community. Think of what's going to happen. The fame of what God is going to do here will spread. Whether you want it to or not, If for no other reason, then they'll try to debunk it. I don't know how many people we read in the Azusa Street revivals, reporters that were sent to debunk it, to write against it, and they ended up getting the Holy Ghost, becoming missionaries, becoming preachers. I don't care why they come. I just want them to come. Experience God firsthand. All of God. Not just a small part of them. I've said from the very beginning that God has a glorious future in store for us. This is part of that future, church. This is part of it. And I am praying with all my heart that God will release each of us into the ministry that he has called us to. That we would, in his name, fulfill the commission that he has given us. Amen. At the conclusion of our service, we're going to have a baptism. Stephen is going to get baptized. Amen. But in the meantime, 
I'm going to ask that all of us come to the front and let's pray for just just a few minutes. That God would settle this in our hearts. This spiritual organism must operate spiritually. It must operate in the spirit. We have got to be comfortable operating in the spirit. We were created spiritual beings. Our dead spirits were resurrected by the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God has given us power and authority over all the works of the enemy. As the people of God, we ought to be comfortable with that with that knowledge, operating in that capacity. If we're not, if that makes us nervous, encountering someone possessed by a devil, if that makes us nervous praying for someone to receive a healing, then we need to get before God. We need an anointing, a fresh anointing. I need a fresh anointing. Let's spend some time in the presence of God. If these things are so, church, we want to experience everything that God has for us. Amen. Lord Jesus, I believe with all of my heart I've heard from you today. I pray, O God, that you would confirm your word today with signs following. That you would speak with your people. That there would be a change in our hearts. That there would be a change in our minds from this point forward. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Minister to your people this morning, I pray. Help us as one body, help us as one body to understand the commission that you've given us. We are to reach the lost. We are to perfect the saints. But how? I believe, Lord, you've shown us how. I don't speak these words lightly. I understand what they mean. Help us, O oh God. Help us, I pray. Help us, Lord Jesus, to submit ourselves to you, to be used of you in the manner that you desire to use us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to fulfill the commission you've given us. If you have indeed given us this commission, show us. Use us this way, I pray. Reach this city. Reach our loved ones. Hallelujah, Jesus. Reach them through, not, not with the words of men, but through the power of God. Through the power of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.